Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. We have started to look at what is the church about after for several months looking at the Gospel of Mark and asking and discovering who Jesus is and what he's all about and and what impact he has and makes in our lives. We come to the end of that and the question is, so what? What do we do with that? What does it mean to, to be God's people, to continue to live out the Jesus life of, of being a disciple and following him. And, and so we've been looking at, well, what is the church supposed to do? And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about worshiping God, that, that one of our core things is, is coming before him and lifting up the great God of heaven, remembering that his unfailing love goes throughout this earth. But we also pass the message on that we've got this message from Jesus about what he's done and, and how he's done it on our behalf. And, and we speak the message. And last week we looked through Paul's interactions with three different communities and how he shared faith and that he used different ways and being, to be able to speak the message to them. That in Thessalonica, that he brought the message mainly to Jews out of a synagogue and, and used lots of Old Testament references and prophecies to, to point the way that Jesus was the Christ and did something similar in Berea. But when he got to Athens, he had a different approach because these people didn't know anything about the Hebrew Scriptures. But he took something within their culture and said, here's this thing that you see, this unknown God that you worship. Let me tell you about this God. And begins talking with them about who Jesus is. Without ever mentioning the name Jesus, begins to talk with them and help them to see that that God has done a work, and that God is calling people to himself. And, and the point for us is to, to think through as we, as we speak our lives, as we speak out with, with the gospel that we have, that sometimes we, we've got to think through who we're sharing it with and, and the things that they know and the things that they need to hear as we express one truth, but in ways that people can hear. Well, the next part is what happens... After you share your faith, after someone comes to faith in Jesus. And we're going to continue to look at, at past, or, uh, the Apostle Paul and the things that have gone on. The first story we looked at last week was in Thessalonica. And they came to Thessalonica and they were, they were coming from Philippi and things were, were pretty rough in Philippi. And they meet in the synagogue and are speaking about Jesus and, and using the Old Testament. And then some... Some Jews were jealous, it said, and they brought some troublemakers from the marketplace, and they ran them out of town. And they went off to Berea, and they discovered that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. And, and they took the words that Paul was saying and checked them out with the scriptures to see if they were true. Well, what about those Thessalonians? What happened when he left and he'd shared their faith and many of it had come to faith in him? What happens to that church? 
And as we take a look at Paul's interaction with them, we get a picture of what it means to be disciplers. That disciple making is and, and working with people, it's not just a 12-week program or Bible study you go through said, I finished that, I can move on my way, I've been discipled. But instead, it's something much more. And so if you have your Bibles, if you take first, open up to 1 Thessalonians, and then starting in chapter 2, we're going to take a look at how he deals with them after he got kicked out and is wondering what's going on. And we hear a part of his heart in leading and directing them. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, nor from you or anyone else. And we'll stop right there and, and, and make the first point that, that a rough start does not mean an end to things. That it started a little bit with some difficulty. Paul and Silas and, and Timothy were there, and they were speaking about the gospel and telling them about Jesus and how he fulfills prophecy, and, and then they got kicked out. And, and he says, look, well, that was a bust. But Paul says, it was not a bust. It was not a failure Because here's what happened. Remember what happened when we were there. That we, despite the strong opposition that we faced, we shared the gospel with you. And as we did this, and he begins to point out that in sharing the gospel, it was more than just getting a message across. I I didn't just check the list. Oh, I said this, I said this, I said this. But there was more to it than that. That their motives in doing this were not what they could get out of it, but really their heart was for the, for the Thessalonians, that they might hear and know. And, and so m- makes this, this point very strident that we didn't do this trying to get something from you. It was, it was to bring the message to you and deliver it with you. We weren't trying to gain stuff out of this from you, but instead we cared for you. Our point was to serve God. And bring his word and bring his message. Not something that we made up. And this is something that you can take a look at. Well, as he proceeds on in the middle part of verse 6, he says, as, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you. Like a mother caring for her little children. Uh, there's going to be three pictures of relationships here. Mother, brother, and father as he talks about this. And and. And as we go through that, just uh, allow those words and the family relationship to, to, to connect in your mind. You were like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, 
our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. As Paul and Silas and Timothy were there, they were, they were doing ministry practices that matter. The motives were fully fixed upon God. But as it continues, it's not just about the message only. But again, you see those family relationships described there. We cared for you like a mother. We worked alongside you like brothers. We, we, we loved you like fathers and help you to see this. That in bringing forth this message, it was not, again, just about getting it done, but building the relationships that matter. To care for them as a mother cares for their child. That uh, We have great examples and pictures of us, many of us, remember our mothers, and if our mothers were not so great, we've seen good mothers who have done great jobs in caring for, and, and they're nurturing this. The picture we have of a mother is, is, is holding and swaddling and, and, and loving your child, cooing with them, and, and all along their lives, trying to help them and build them up. And Paul says, this is how we were among you. We cared for you. You mattered to us. And so he says, we, we, we just didn't share the message, but our lives as well. And, and while they were there, they worked. Uh, we know Paul, one of his, his occupations, his vocations, besides preaching, was, was tent making. And he often went to these places, and, and he made his way by making tents, actual tents. Sewing and stitching them together during the day and sometimes in the evening, and and, and selling them, and, and they're, in this way, being able to support themselves so that the, uh, the people in the community didn't have to give them money or take collections or, or find food for them. Uh, he, he, he recognizes and points out, we could have done that. That's, that's a normal practice of what's, what happens when, when, when speakers come to town and, and give their lives and work with you. That, that's often happened, but we didn't do that. Because as brothers, we wanted to be alongside you, sharing our lives and not being a burden as we did this. And then as they lived among them, they lived well. How many of us would be able to say, as, as he says in verse 10, look at our lives and look at the character and the direction of our lives we were holy, righteous, and blameless. And, and he says, you are witnesses of this. You saw this. This is how we lived in front of you. When we think about discipling someone, it's not just teaching them about Bible verses and, and scripture and stories. But it's living it out before them. It's making the connections among them while we do ministry, while we talk about Scripture and and its implications in our lives. But we do it alongside people, showing them this is what it looks like as well. This is how it's lived. 
And each of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus, people watch us. When you say and make the statement, this is who I am and this is what's important to me, people notice. And if you fail to live up to it, they, they notice that as well. My freshman year in college at Marquette, I, 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 was, I was the guy who didn't drink and didn't do some of the other things, and I went to the evangelical church. And, and oh, long about midway through the second semester, I uh, was walking along, and, and we had this, this wrestling guy on our floor, and, and I kind of thought he was not the brightest guy. And, and I'm walking with this guy, Justin. I made some disparaging remark about his intellect. And, uh, and Justin kind of turned to me, and he's like, you know, Rick, you're, you're no different than any of us, the rest of us, are you? Uh, you uh, you you'll, you'll make fun of someone? And I'm like, ouch. I said, yeah, I just did that. That just happened. I did that. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a reflection for me. I mean, I'd gotten comments from some um, when, when I wouldn't participate in some of the things that were happening uh, but this stung to just my life, my, my actions, my attitude being brought right in front of me. It's like, yeah, that, that was not okay. I'd like to say that was the last time I did anything like that, but I, I've had to be rebuked on other times and saying, you know, this is actually what this person is all about. And uh, it's a reminder that as what I do, what I say, People listen, and as they watch, they, they hear what I say I'm about, and they also notice what I'm really about. And I'm not to say that they always get that exactly right, but how well do we live this, this holy, blameless, and righteous lives in front of others? The, the call is for us to walk faithfully with God. We say this means something. It makes a difference in our lives. And the best way to teach the words and the, the, the concepts of love and care these commands Jesus gives us to do is to live it out, to do it, that, that our, our life matches this. When I was a kid, my, my pastor in Park Ridge, uh, he had this saying that he would he would come up with every time, and I don't think it was original with him, but he talked about words and, and actions. And, and he would say, keep your mouth from talking and your feet a-walking until your feet catch up with your mouth. See, it, it, it's easy to talk about the concepts and principles of living Christian life. But living it is another matter. Paul says, live this out, and we live this among you. Look at us. This is how we live the life. And then he said, we loved you. We loved you like a father loves you, encouraging you, lifting you up, comforting you, to live lives worthy of God who calls you to his kingdom and to his glory. See, there's, there's big things at stake as we live and as we minister among people that, that we're calling them not just to a nice philosophy, but to God's kingdom, 
the God of this universe. We're calling to him and to his glory. And so, so to live this life and help others to see this and so that they can walk faithfully with him as they, as they become part of the citizens of heaven, of God himself. And Paul says, like fathers, we encourage you to comfort and urge you to do this. Stay on track with that. And part of discipling is, is getting to know well those you're working with. To help them to see what's going on in their lives. So the ways and the manners in which maybe, maybe they're, they're not quite getting some things. And urging them, comforting them, encouraging them. Live this out. And so that's what, that's the basics of what being a discipler is. Again, there's, there's knowing the stuff we need to know. We need to know what, who God is and what he's done through Jesus and, and how all this fits together. But if it's just the words, then in Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, I can have the words of an angel, but if I have not love, I am just a gong clanging around caring for people and leading them to faith. Well, a disciple, if he's a disciple, responds. And as we look forward here, starting in verse 13, Paul notes the response of the Thessalonians. He says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from, the speaking, from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, and our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. As we disciple people, there's a two-way relationship going on there. As we pour out our lives in them and, and talk with them about who God is, seeing them get it is beautiful. And seeing that they get it, even not necessarily connected to you, there's a lot of times in our lives, and we've seen some ministries that seem to center and circle around a personality. And Paul says to them, it wasn't about the, the word of man. It wasn't about some person. It was, you took this as God's word. Your focus was not on us, but on him. And that's the core and, and, and direction of, of, of any solid disciple-making, that, that it becomes less about the person who's discipling us, and more about knowing God himself, of being connected with him. I think of, of the th three men in particular who, who spent time discipling me. Uh, my, my youth pastor, Doug, when I was in Park Ridge, and then 
my friend John when I was in at university in Milwaukee, and then my my pastor Paul, where I served as a youth pastor for nine years. And and each of these men spent time with me and talked with me about life. But we spent time hanging out, going out for a coffee, cup of coffee, and and talking with each other. And uh, we would have Bible studies and and would challenge each other sometimes too. But it was it was in all parts of that. It was, it was the knowledge part and the learning part, and I learned from them, and they, they challenged me to go forward. And if there was things about me that were needed a little refining, they, they would say, this was not okay. I didn't like hearing that sometimes, but sometimes I, I faced the difficult words that they gave me because they were directing me to, 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 to know God and and. What I've done in connecting with them over the years has been to, despite conflicts that we've had, continue to appreciate the investment they made in me. Because the response of the disciple is to know God, to make their connection with him, but then also to imitate others. Paul says, you've imitated the other churches that love God, and you're, you're following their practices. You're seeing, how do we do this? And, and, and you're doing those things, even while you endure suffering. When Paul was in Thessalonia, Thessalonica, and they got kicked out, uh, many of the people in the church there had to suffer because of the message that was going on. Jason, in particular, was talked about in Acts 17. We looked at last week. He was, he was arrested and put in jail, and they questioned him. They couldn't find Paul and Silas and, and Timothy, but they put them in jail for a while, and then they find them, and they sent them home. And, and meanwhile, the ministry went on. And, and they faced scrutiny because of the gospel, but they endured that. As we finish up, I, I want to read chapter 3, because chapter 3 just gives Paul's heart for them. He continues on, so when we, we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. Remember, they'd, they'd left Thessalonica to Berea and then took a boat to Athens and So we sent Timothy, who was our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus 
clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Do you catch a picture of this tremendous love and heart he has for them? Though he's ripped away from them, his concern is that they might know God well, that they might have grasped faith wholeheartedly. And and so sitting in Athens wondering what's going on, I wonder what's happened. They didn't have text messaging or tweeting or anything like that. There's how do you get information? And so they sent Timothy over there. He takes a boat and he has to make the travel over there. And then he comes back and meets them again. And he's like, and we just heard that your faith is strong. You're going on and you made us, our joy is complete because you got this picture of who God is. You've endured and walked through this. And that's the heart of discipling someone, of spending time with them and pouring your life into them and that they might see and grasp hold of God and who he is. This is what discipleship is. Now, there, there's some characteristics that, that, that look like this in, in his book, Jesus Christ Disciple Maker. Bill Hall talks about what rabbinical schools would expect from their, their students. And I don't know if you can see that well enough there, but uh, the first thing is that disciples choose to submit to his teacher. A disciple would memorize his teacher's words he would learn his teacher's way of, in, of ministry. He would imitate his teacher's life. And then he would be expected to find his own disciples. We look at Jesus through the Gospel of Mark over this last year and, and, and see what's important to him. But it's more about reading. I mentioned the three men who, who ministered to me and, and, and helped disciple me. Who has been it in your life? Who's been the person, who have the people been in your life that have helped you to get this and grasp it? Who've lived before you what life is, it has been, to, has spent time with you answering questions that you've had. They've had an impact on you. And you've seen and you've learned what ministry looks like because of them. In the end, we look to Jesus and what he was about. Because it all comes back to there. We get different flavors and feels from whomever we, we, we've been influenced by. But submitting to God and knowing his words. Do you memorize scripture? Do you help people to memorize scripture? To know how to answer situations from the word? Have you observed the way to do ministry? Can you imitate the life as well? But finally, who are you ministering to? Are you finding people to share the message with and, and to bring them along, to make them disciples as well? Because in the end, that's how God's plan has always been, to move from one person to another to bring them to closer connection with God. And that's our life.
at Lenny's funeral, I, sh- I shared this story about a guy named Joe. Joe was, was, a, was a drunk. He was a brawler. He, uh, he, he lived hard and, and eventually came to the bottom of his rope and ended up in a mission. And in the mission, heard the story of, of a God who loved him and cared for him and, and died for him and, and becomes one of those people who comes to faith in the mission. And and he so grasped hold of this life with Jesus that he did whatever he could to help others out. He worked at this mission, and he would, he would help guys that would come in and, and get them a place to stay. If they vomited, he'd help clean them up and take care of them. He was always doing stuff for people, and if they needed help or a ride or something, this was the guy that they went to, and this mission would, they would house guys overnight. They would give them a meal at that dinner time, and, and as part of that, they would share the message. And uh, the mission director was, was sharing the gospel one day and talking about becoming like Jesus and, and coming to faith. And, and uh, this one guy comes up to the front, and, and uh, he's moved by the message, and he says, Lord, make me like Joe, make me like Joe, make me like Joe. And, well, the mission director, well, he was irritated by this. He's like, mm, you, you, mean, you mean make me like Jesus? And he's like, is anything like Joe? Because Joe is the one he saw. And Joe lived out the Jesus life before him. And that's us. We are, we are Jesus before people as we live out and walk out what it means to be followers of him. And people will say, make me like him, Lord, if that's what it means. Or maybe they'll say, I want nothing to do with that. That's our call. To care for people, to love them like a mother and like a father. And to, to walk alongside people like a brother. Bringing the message, but living it out in their midst. So who's influenced you? And who are you working to influence that they may discover the things that you've discovered about what it means to be a follower of God? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we stand before the the elements of of communion, of your, your death and sacrifice, the your body and blood, and, and recognize that the sacrifice you've made for us. You've done this so that we can know you, we can be connected with you. And Lord, as you've made this call in our life, continue to guide us and direct us. Help us to learn more. But help us to love more. And to find ways to take what you've given to us and what others have ministered to us and demonstrated to us and to pass that on. Lord, open our eyes to those around us that we might find those we can make connections with and help them to see all you've done for them as you've done for us. We lift you up this day through Christ our Lord. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service. Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.